Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Terry Hobbert, who's the president and CEO and director of Talesca Resources, a junior resource company involved in the exploration of gold projects in British Columbia, Canada. Um, they've got some assets, including the Braylawn Gold Complex and their historic high-grade high grade producing gold mine, as well as its Spencer's Bridge project. Um, Terry is an experienced campaigner with a background in structural geology, um, with his experience being across Australia, South America and Canada. Um, and he's here today to share his journey and tell us all about Telesca uh, resources and the projects they're involved in. So that's welcome, Terry, to the podcast. How are you doing, Terry? Hi, Robert. Uh, really good. Real pleasure to be here. Yeah, appreciate your time as well. Um, obviously, you're Australian, living in Canada now. So um, I wonder if you can give our audience um, uh, a background about yourself, about your career. And like I said, obviously, you're Australian, now living in Canada. So I just want to give us, a, uh, give us an overview of your career um, to sort of present day. Yeah, sure, Rob. Look, I've actually been out of Australia for a long time, uh, coming up to around about 20 years now out of Australia. So uh, as my mum points out to me, almost uh, out of the country more than I've, I've been in the country. Um, in my uh, early in my career, um, I worked for various junior companies in Australia. Really, nothing much of note as a junior geologist. Uh, my academic background: uh, I've got a PhD in structural geology and tectonics, um, so something that can really get applied to mineral exploration and. And really, that, that's um, what our, our team's quite like. We're a very technical team, and we, we see mineral exploration as a real uh, technical, knowledge-based and intellectual property-based exercise. Um, I, I left Australia um, in the early 2000s. Uh, it was a pretty rough time back then. Gold price was uh, 251 uh, the day that I left Australia. Uh, so uh, being a geologist was um, something you could do if you didn't have a taxi licence back in those days. Uh, I, I was very fortunate that uh, I was able to um, pick up a job with uh, Anglo Gold at the time, who became Anglo Gold Ashanti. Um, their chief geologist for the Americas uh, was somebody who I'd uh, shared a room with doing my uh, uh, postgraduate studies in, in Australia. Um, so I, I moved to Peru. Uh, and worked for their uh, Americas group, their Americas Exploration Group. Um, spent around about uh, 10 years uh, with Anglo, Anglo Gold Ashanti, uh, and we managed some very large exploration programs. Uh, the most famous of which was in Colombia um, under the leadership of, of Mark Kudafani, who's now the uh, CEO of uh, Anglo American. Um, throughout that time, uh, we're very fortunate to make some really great discoveries in our in our team. Um, nine million ounces at, at a, a Brownfields camp in in Cuiabar in Brazil. Um, six and a half million ounces at the Gramalote deposit in in Colombia. That's now owned by uh, B2 Gold. I think they're 
uh, finishing feasibility of putting that into production. Uh, and then the big one, 28 million ounces at, at, at La Calosa in Colombia. So the whole group was, was starting to build a real, um, a real discovery record there and all based on systematic exploration and based on major company style exploration, which is uh, what we'd learned very well uh, working for a major company. Um, we, we all got itchy feet around about the same time and, and we all left Anglo Godashanti as a team, as the uh, well, what was to become the, the Talisker team or the Talisker Exploration Group. Uh, this is about 2010, uh, and we joined um, the then Cisco Mining. It was a new incantation of Cisco Mining, but we, we joined then. Um, Cisco at the time, led by Sean Rusin, had the Canadian Malarctic deposit, which uh, was or became Canada's largest gold mine. Um, Cisco was concerned about a takeover for that asset, so they wanted to, to build more assets into the company. So our role in that case was to develop a global exploration strategy for them and help them build into a major company. Uh, unfortunately, Rob, their, their concerns about a takeover were well-founded with uh, New Gold making a hostile bid. Uh, it was beaten off by uh, White Knight Partnership with Humana and Agnico. Uh, the Cisco management team rolled out a 5% royalty on Canadian Malarctic uh, and formed a Cisco Gold Royalties, which is now, I think, a $2.5 or $3 billion company. Um, our service contract got taken across to them and, and we continued um, with, with the royalty company and we reviewed uh, about 4,500 to 5,000 projects for them. Um, and we also had placed us in technical positions on their investee companies on the board or in senior management. And we're very fortunate there to continue that discovery record, being the technical teams behind another six and a half million ounces at the windfall deposit in um, in Quebec, uh, and another six and a half million ounces discovered at the Caribou deposit, um, formerly with Barkerville Gold Mines, uh, where I was chief geoscientist until uh, until becoming CEO of Talisker Resources. Uh, so that's really what uh, the pre-Talisker background is. Um, the main takeaways are we're a, a, a real s serious technical team and we value uh, the development of our teams, the mentoring of our teams, and we really want to extend our careers. We want to get to 100 million ounces as a discovery team. We're, we're currently about at 60, um, so we, 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 we've still got a bit more to go. But we see the companies that we're running now, Talisker Resources, which is one of uh, as, as key pathways in making it to that 100 million ounce discovery record. Okay, that's great. Before talk about Tabsco Resources, um, just want to get, I suppose, a question, obviously, personally to you. Being an Australian and Australia being, obviously, a predominant, uh, mining is a predominant industry within Australia, and then obviously moving to Canada again, where mining is predominantly um, a predominant industry in Canada, what would you say the main differences are between the two countries in the way that they do business within mining and I suppose the way that the industry is different between the two between the two countries from your experience? Yeah, look, that's a really interesting question, Rob. I think that, that there's a couple of key differences between the two countries. Um, obviously, there's a great deal of similarities. Um, you know, I, I sometimes 
discuss Canada as being the cold and wet version of Australia, which is hot and dry. Um, they're both a lot of very remote exploration. Uh, they're both driven by resource um, exploration and development. So very similar in a lot of ways. It, it makes up a significant component of the GDP. Um, but I think one of the key things is how the industries, the different industries in both companies are financed. Um, I think the flow-through uh, mechanism here in Canada is, is a major benefit that uh, Canadian companies and Canada in general has over Australia. Um, I think being able to have a, 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 a taxation system uh, that allows uh, credits there both for traditional flow-through mechanisms and also charity flow-through mechanisms brings a lot more capital into the market than a lot of other companies uh, re receive. And I think um, obviously sometimes a lot of that gets wasted, it's not well attributed, but certainly when times are lean, that provides a lot of stimulus capital into the market that, that isn't, um, isn't traditionally available. Um, I think we've also seen a bit of a flip side again related to, to that baseline funding with Canada relative to Australia. Um, we've seen a lot of very solid exploration you know, over the last five years in Australia. And in the last year in Canada, we've seen a big boom in exploration, but prior to that, things were quite quiet. And I certainly think that's relative to um, what happened to the um, investment capital Throughout the the marijuana era, or the or the um, the, the Bitcoin and the pot era, um, uh, Australia, I don't think had a lot of investment uh, into the marijuana scene. There wasn't a lot of investment into the um, into the Bitcoin and blockchain. So a lot of that speculative or 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 ten percent of loose money went still went into expiration. Um, so I think. For me, they're the couple of main differences that we see. Um, I think without charity, well, without flow through and charity flow through, things would have been incredibly difficult here in Canada um, with that speculative money being channeled into those um, roughly now defunct. I, I think the, the, the marijuana business has had its run um, and we're, we're really yet to see that capital flow back into into junior exploration, despite the incredible gold price that we're seeing. You know, we're, we're certainly at uh, non-indexed all-time highs. Um, indexing, we've still got a bit to go, probably to 2,500 to reach an indexed high. Um, but really, we've seen this incredible decoupling of, of um, the junior market to the gold price. Um, and certainly without that access to funding, I think things would be a lot worse in the junior space. So, one thing you can just tell us about uh, Talisca Resources, um, obviously how the company formed and how it's sort of grown. Right, I will do. You know, we're a gold exploration company, um, as everyone can see by this gratuitous nugget uh, sitting here behind me. Uh, it's on your, it's on your left hand side. Yes, yeah, so with, <laughs> uh, with with Zoom, things always get flipped around, don't they? Uh, I will just say that that is a nugget from our flagship project, the Braylon project. Uh, we've got a series of these incredible um, gold specimens on display in the Royal Ontario Museum here in Toronto, where I'm based, and also in the Royal Alberta Museum in Edmonton. Uh, so really incredible, incredible 
uh, specimens. But we'll, we'll make it to Braylon shortly. I'm, I'm sure you've got a few questions lined up for Braylon. Um, yeah. How we formed the company was um, looking at doing grassroots or, or early stage exploration. Um, we, we really believe still that there's a lot of opportunity in doing quality exploration. And, and, and we see gold exploration in particular as a numbers game or a, as a statistical game. Um, we, we see that a lot of companies um, become lifestyle companies. They end up with pet projects um, and they, they explore very slowly. And what our view is, is it's a numbers game. It's a statistics game. Get a good uh, endowed land package, explore it quickly, make discoveries. If something's not going to make it, then discard that area or move that area on. Um, so we acquired a, a very large land package, um, what, what's in, in what's called a, a frontier gold belt. So a frontier gold belt is, is really something that hasn't had any discoveries yet. It's got concepts and a few sniffs of, of, of gold, uh, but it, it hasn't had a discovery. It doesn't have any projects or operational mines. And, and when a project's discovered or, or there's a, a discovery made, then those projects transition from frontier into what's called an emerging belt. So that's a belt with, with one project or maybe two projects. And then as that belt matures, more projects get, uh, get, get discovered and, and eventually get developed. So for us as explorers, one of the key times to be in a belt is while it's still frontier. So that really gives you what's called a, a first mover advantage. So it means you can come in, use your technical knowledge to understand the controls of mineralization, understand the deposit types, and, and really control a large land package. So you're the one who makes multiple discoveries, not 20, 30, or 40 other companies who, who, who pick up large land packages, the small land packages. So we're very fortunate um, through our consulting company, we're working for a company called Westhaven Ventures, now Westhaven Gold Corp. Um, Westhaven have been working in this belt in South Central British Columbia in Canada for a long time. Uh, eight years they've been working there. Uh, they weren't particularly well funded, uh, didn't have an extensive technical team, and uh, they've been drilling the shovel nose project for quite some time, but hadn't made a significant discovery. Through our consulting work, we realised that they were just about to. Uh, they hadn't received any assays yet, but the textures in the rock certainly indicated that they were in what's called the bonanza zone and their levels in the deposit where very high grades are. So uh, while their rocks were in, in still in the laboratory, we approached them and said, look, we think this is going to change this entire belt from frontier into emerging. And we'd like to work with you and state the entire belt and do major company-style exploration here, similar to what we'd uh, been used to doing at, at back in the days with Anglo Gold Ashanti. Uh, fortunately for us and unfortunately for, for West Haven, they were um, very cautious at doing that. They were thinking they were going to have a discovery and they didn't want to uh, distract their focus from that discovery. So uh, we're able to negotiate to be able to go ahead and state that entire belt outside of what West Haven owned. So um, two days before they put out their discovery release, we were able to conduct the largest single land staking in British Columbian history 
and take control of 85% of the soon-to-be-emerging Spencer's Bridge, Bridge Gold Belt. And really, that's what we formed our company on. West Haven's gone ahead now. They've continued with that project. Uh, they've got a million ounces there uh, in a deposit. Uh, they've just made a new discovery to extend that. Um, so it's gone very well for them despite not picking up that ground. Uh, we continued very aggressively with our exploration. We've had 20 to 22 geologists in the field in that project since we formed the company just in 2019. So the last three field seasons, very aggressive program. Um, we've taken a lot of that through systematic exploration, stream sediments, soil programs, geophysics, mapping. Uh, we've got a large portfolio of drill projects there, about 14 drill projects. Um, one of those, the Dora project, has currently permitted, and the Nova Cyclone project uh, that we discovered through stream sediment work as two separate projects. Now they've combined in the middle to form a five-kilometre vein field. So we're in the process of permitting that, and we'd, we'd like to drill that soon. So really, that's what we formed the company on, this systematic greenfields exploration. And how we grew the company was looking for more of those projects, stepping us off, looking for the same style of um, rocks, the same style of structural architecture. And ultimately, that's how we ended up with the Braylon project. So what is the sort of current status of the resource and when do you expect to release it to the market? Um, so there's a, a relatively small historic resource at Braylawn that, that, that's there as we acquired the asset, um, around about 200,000 ounces. Um, our vision for the project was that this was a world-class to giant deposit. So what we really saw, there was clear potential for plus 5 million ounces. So our first drill program that we're completing now is really the first step into defining the pathway to that uh, those ounces. So we see a, a, a potential at this stage and what we're targeting for this resource is in the range of one and a half to two million ounces and we see a grade range of sort of uh, seven to nine grams in this area. We've conducted, uh, I think we're up to about 145,000 metres of drilling um, since we acquired the asset in uh, 2020. So in just two years, nearly 150,000 metres worth of drilling. Uh, we've had up to uh, 10 rigs drilling at the project. Now we're starting to scale that back as we come into the resource. We're down to three rigs. Uh, we've got a series of 11 veins, well-defined with good pierce points. Um, the average grade that we're seeing, weighted average, is about 9.6 grams we're seeing, so the grade's holding very well. Um, and we expect to come out with that first resource for us as a company um, sort of end of Q2 or sometime early in Q3, so very soon. Um, is the very uh, long close to um, existing infrastructure and I suppose if you can just tell us a little bit about the uh, the area. Well uh, really interesting Rob we've actually got a highway right to the uh, front gate of the project Highway 40. Um, it's in south central British Columbia so you can basically drive there from Vancouver uh, the largest city in in BC. Um, there's a couple of ways to get there. We can get there through uh, Highway 1, the, the National Highway of Canada goes up that way, or uh, also through Whistler, if any of your uh, viewers are, are, are ski buffs, 
WIS is uh, one of the largest ski resorts uh, in North America. Um, so it's very easy access uh, into Braylon. Braylon was a historic producer um, back in the, in the uh, 30s, 40s and 50s, uh, right up to the early 70s. Um, so it's had a lot of infrastructure developed. It's, it's connected to grid power. Um, it uh, already has a mine plant with a or mine facilities there with a camp. Uh, so it's got excellent infrastructure um, in that valley, um, the, the valley where Braylon sits, about just under 10% of uh, British Columbia's hydroelectricity is produced. So there's an incredible amount of infrastructure in that valley, um, energy-wise and access-wise. Um, what's the current status uh, of the uh, uh, mine permitting at uh, Braylon? Well, it's a, a really unique project, uh, Braylon, because it already has a major mines permit. So uh, it's permitted to be in production now. It's got a fully permitted tailings dam. Um, it's got a very well-constrained water, uh, water quality. We've got a water treatment plant there that treats mine water. So all that's well understood. Um, we're, we're currently in the process of upgrading that mine permit um, to be able to mine uh, 1,500 tonnes a day production. So we think that can really take the project to 100,000 ounce per year production, which is really a, a, a top, class, uh, top class project. Uh, it's got a large mine permit area, uh, 600 and, um, 686 hectares, uh, so a very large footprint that, that could go into production. So having a permitted project that uh, has an initial resource and potential to get to 5 million ounces plus is something that's very rare in the industry. We can probably count the ones, particularly in first world jurisdictions such as Canada, on, on one hand. So we really know how, uh, how rare and how important it is to have all that. It's generally a, a four to five year time frame to go through the permitting process. So that's a major selling point of the Braylon asset to already have all of that permitting in place. Uh, and really it's just an update of a mine plan to be able to go into production at Braylon. Yeah, and obviously talking about production, how far away are you from, from going into production? Well, um, Talisker as we are now, we're, we're not a, a mining company, we're an exploration company. Uh, we currently don't have the skill set to put a, a great project like Braylon into production. Um, so we'd be looking for an acquirer uh, to, to come in and acquire the asset and, and put it into production. Um, anybody coming in could actually get Braylon into production fairly quickly. Uh, the, the, the timeline to go into production under the current permit um, or current status of the permit is, is a matter of months. Um, we're currently doing all characterization uh, at New Afton. New Afton's a toll mill, uh, a couple of hours drive away from Braylawn. Um, so what, what, what we foresee is that somebody could go into production, they could truck their ore to the toll mill without having to put in a lot of capital intensive infrastructure. So really reduce that capex by not having to put in a mill, not having to put in a processing plant, they could simply truck to, to New Afton. Now, interesting for us, New Afton is owned by New Gold, and New Gold is a 
significant strategic uh, shareholder in us. They own about 15%, 14.9% of the company. Um, so uh, being able to characterise our ore through their process has two major benefits. One, it helps us investigate that time willing process, but it also allows New Gold to effectively try before they buy uh, if eventually they become the acquirer of, uh, of Braylon and of Talisker. And does Talisker plan on mining Braylon? Um, if not, when does it plan to sort of di- divest the project? Um, is it before or after the maiden resource? Uh, look, honestly, Rob, it all depends on when an offer comes on the table. Mm. Um, we've been speaking to strategics from, from very early on, um, simply because there's a lot of interest in a, in a ready permitted project that's got high grade and great continuity, such as Braylon. Um, we're, so we're in fairly constant discussion with a number of strategics and uh, there are front runners. Um, so really it, it depends on when an offer, offer comes in. Our view is we're always better off uh, selling earlier than later. Um, the earlier we can move a project on, um, it's less dilution, less investment in the ground, and we're not concerned about uh, developing new projects because we've got an incredible pipeline of projects that we can spin out of Talisker and continue exploring with. And the, the, the primary one of those, of course, is the Ladner project. It's another gold belt uh, similar to Braylawn, so another 14,000 hectare land package, a large number of uh, mineral occurrences there, an existing resource to build on, 700,000 ounces. So basically, if, if we were to sell Braylawn, we'd be back at resource stage very quickly within a couple of years. And really, that's what shareholders coming in are buying. They're not buying access just to uh, a one win. We're, we're really buying access to what we have at Braylon, a premium coming out with the resource, a premium coming out with an acquisition, whether it's New Gold or somebody else, and then a Spinco premium where we can basically be back at well-developed resource stage and ready to sell that asset and bring the next one up into resource development. Um, I wonder if you can just talk about some other assets uh, you've got outside of uh, Braylon. Um, obviously, and wonder if you can just give us a current status. Um, are they at similar stage or deposit type as Braylon? Really what we have is, is a, a staged pipeline, Rob. We, we like to um, advance projects or de-risk projects in the shadow of what our flagship is. Um, so Braylawn's at resource phase and we've got a, a, a lot of rigs and we're drilling it out and getting it ready to go. But in the background, <coughs> excuse me, we're preparing the Ladner project for a drill, uh, a drill exercise. We're, we're planning on... Um, drilling off within the next few years, a million ounces indicated and exploring there for uh, two to three million ounces that inferred category. We've done some preliminary work there, soil program. Uh, we're seeing very good grades in the soil. So we're seeing uh, a kilometre, over a kilometre anomaly above 0.1 of a gram. So we're nearly at open pit cutoff grades uh, in the soil program. So it's looking very good. So we're defining our drill projects there and we'll be ready to take that forward. Sitting in the next tier below that, so full resource development, prepared for resource, 
The next stage is that discovery stage, and that's our Golden Hornet project. We put our first drill holes into Golden Hornet late last year, made a great discovery there. Um, of the 14 holes we drilled, 5,000 metres, we intersected massive sulphide and quartz vein mineralisation and breaches in every single hole. Uh, we've got about a three-kilometre strike length in the soils. We've, we've defined so far a, about a kilometre there, and we saw some great results coming out there, uh, the, the best of which was um, nearly nine grams per tonne of gold, 0.4% um, uh, copper, and nearly 15 grams of silver across five metres. So a great, great discovery, great first hole. A couple of other holes, uh, seeing grades of eight grams, of 10 grams, uh, and we see up to uh, 25 grams at surface. A long strike from that is our Bernato project. Uh, early this year, we put out some of our early trench samples, again, seeing up to ounce material in those projects. So very excited about it. And that's really our third tier down. Below that, we step into our permitting stage projects and we've really got two there, the Dora project and the Nova Cyclone. Uh, the Nova Cyclone, we're probably the most excited about it's two projects that have merged into one from our work. So we discover them as grassroots projects. So from stream sediment work, following up the stream sediments, finding outcropping veins, doing soils, and eventually those two projects merged into one five-kilometre vein field. And we see beautiful, beautiful sheeted veins outcropping for four to 500 metres across 300 metres um, we're in what's called the, uh, the barren zone that sits above a bonanza zone, and that's um, sort of how epithermals work. There, there's a stratigraphy in the gold distribution. At surface, you've got low-temperature silica, um, and as you get down deeper, uh, you move into coarser silica textures. Um, I, I can give a bit of an explanation of, or a, a man's, a simple, simple person's explanation of epithermals, if you like. Would that be Yeah, useful? yeah, Where certainly, certainly. I mean, obviously, a lot of people from uh, that listen to these podcasts are from the obviously mining industry, um, but maybe not all of them know, understand the technicalities. Uh, and for those that are maybe not outside of the mining industry, but supplies into the mining industry, yeah, this is, a, this is all education. Sure. Look, an, an easy way to look at uh, epithermals or low sulfur epithermals is uh, to, to think of uh, having a pot of potatoes that are, are boiling on the, on the stove. And you've got a copper pot, you've got your potatoes that are quite heavy, they're sitting at the bottom, you've got a layer of water and you've got steam all, all coming off the top. Um, so the, the, uh, the potatoes are, are like our, our gold. And the gold is quite dense and it sits at the bottom of the water, which is like our, our, our silica zone. Um, and we have steam coming off the top and that's our vapour phase. So we have some minerals that get transported in the vapour phase or elements. And that's usually things like uh, mercury, uh, arsenic, antimony, and they form minerals in the vapour phase. So if you're exploring and you see those minerals, you know you're very high. You're in the, in the steam area, so you've got to keep going down. So if you go down and you, you see the water, that's like our silica zones, but it might necessarily have gold, but you'll see indications that you're getting closer to the potatoes, and that's what we want. We want to keep going to the potatoes. 
So if you see the water there, they're our banded style of silica. So if you keep going down, then you hit the potatoes and that's uh, the gold down in the potatoes. But if you keep going, you'll hit the copper pot. And when you see base metals coming into low sulfidation epithermals, then you're too deep. And the potatoes and the water's already been thrown out. It's already been eroded away because you're too close to the heat source. So really, that, that's a very simplistic view of how we use science to explore and determine where we are within these areas. So with the Nova Cyclone project, we're just in the vapour phase or in the top of the water. So we don't expect to see any potatoes at this level. We know we've got to go deeper to get potatoes. But what's very interesting for us is that we see um, very consistent low-grade gold in the wall rock around the veins. So if you like, we're seeing little bits of potato floating up in the top of the water. And what we see is uh, consistently half a gram up to six, seven or eight grams in that wall rock. So that really excites us for a number of reasons. The first is it's, we think, a good indication that the bonanza is well mineralized, so that there's a lot of potatoes in the bottom of the pot. But what it also means is there's potential for bulk tonnage mineralization in that what should be barren rock, in that wall rock. So we may be able to mine the water because there'll be enough bits of potato in that top water. So we're pretty excited about that. Uh, we've been working very um, uh, very recently with our First Nations stakeholders up there and uh, we've submitted the permit late last year. So we, we hope to get that permit back within a few months and be able to drill test that project, which certainly has the footprint at this stage to be a, a world-class vein field. So although we're totally focused on Braylon and certainly in our press releases, that's what it's all about. We see high-grade gold everywhere coming out at Braylon. What's key for all our shareholders and interested parties is that this is a pipeline. We explore like a major company and we've got a pipeline here like a major company. So if we divest or sell Braylon, the next one's ready to go. So it's a real long-term um, investment proposal here with Talisker. That's a very good uh, explanation. And I imagine us non-technical people uh, are, are imagining boiling our potatoes and just by understanding that concept. So um, no, I appreciate you uh, educating us and uh, obviously the audience. It is, it is really important sometimes to understand uh, we have this common perception that we should um, sample, gold, sample veins and if we don't see gold, we should walk away. In low sulfidation epithermals, that's not the case. We should look for evidence of the steam of the vapour phase and we should look at the textures and continue going down. So that, that's a key thing to understand for sure. Yeah, that's certainly uh, a lot of people um, should take note of that, and obviously, especially the non-technical people, because uh, that they could be they could be hitting gold there, but they may walk away from it. Um, so yeah, appreciate that um, bit of advice and education. Lastly, what's the outlook for you guys over? I suppose the the course of this year going into next year. Well, our first major catalyst coming out is our our our, our maiden resource. And, and we predict a major re-rate coming there. Um, we're well on track with that resource. Any of your viewers, uh, I'd encourage them to have a look at uh, our last press release, which was a, 
a resource progress update where we put out uh, 11 long sections and a summary of what we're seeing. Um, I think most people have the capacity to be able to calculate what a rough resource would look like. It's, it's simply uh, strike length versus depth versus width times a, uh, a density by the grade. Uh, so very easy to work out how our progress is going. Looking very good. Um, so that'll put a solid valuation for our, our company going forward. Then it really depends on the strategic interest we have in Talisker at the moment and whether we look to uh, be acquired. And we may get an offer prior to resource, we may get an offer slightly after, or we may have to continue to grow the asset. Um, it's very rare what we have uh, put together here at Talisker with the Braylon project. Um, so our expectation is that there'll be some strategic interest. Um, so really, there's multiple potential catalysts coming in here. The market in general at the moment is very undervalued and uh, it's, it's a, a bargain basement valuations at the moment, particularly for projects that have resource and that have a pathway to production, either by their owners or by companies coming in. Um, so it's a great time uh, to be investing in the market because projects like Braylon and Talisker have a very solid value base that's really based on this very strong gold price that we're seeing. So we see a major catalyst coming in there. If we, if we do get acquired, then there's uh, a, a secondary win there with a premium on acquisitions and then a premium related to a spin code coming out the other side. If we don't get acquired, we see clear pathway here to drill to 5 million ounces. We'd prefer not to do that simply because Braylon is a project that should go into production and we'd rather sell early and have uh, a mining company spend their money to drill off this project while we bring our next assets coming up. And really it's that long-term investment strategy that we have and these multiple wins over time. So we aren't a company that look for just one win and then go to the Bahamas. We're looking at a long-term strategy here, multiple wins over the next five or so years and onwards. Yeah. Terry, really appreciate your time and uh, give us uh, uh, some education, certainly, uh, in your um, content that you've just provided and obviously give us an overview of uh, Talisker uh, resources and your, I suppose, your program of works and your you've gone into quite depth of your all the projects that you're involved in and I can see there there are all certain stages and certain levels so um yeah no appreciate you uh providing this and give us an update uh on the company if our audience wants to reach out to you if they have any questions um how can they go about doing that um and your social media platforms um <laughs> very easy to contact us um, we're our websites, uh, talisterresources.com, very simple. Uh, we, we have a presence on, on all the, um, all the common social media fronts, um, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, um, Twitter, a, a lot of various places. Um, I'm, I'm very open as a CEO, so, uh, very happy for any shareholders to reach out directly to me. Uh, both my uh, email and uh, phone number are, are easily accessible. 
and also our uh, Vice President of Corporate Development, Matt Philgate, um, happy to engage with anybody, uh, do one-on-one uh, -on -one Zooms for anybody who wants to go into more detail or uh, calls or answer emails. So um, feel free to reach out and uh, hear more about the Talisker story. Yeah, that's great. Uh, we'll include those in the show notes accompanying this podcast. So, um, yeah, I'm sure our audience will reach out to you if they've got questions. And obviously, you've got a wealth of knowledge as you've um, obviously you, as you've just displayed there. So, um, I encourage our listeners to reach out to Terry and his team if you have any questions. So, really appreciate your time. All the best for for the rest of this year. Maybe you want to come on to the podcast later this year or next year uh, and give us an update if you find um, any greater results that you want to share with us. So more than welcome to come back on. Thanks, Rob. I'd uh, really be keen to uh, take that opportunity. I've enjoyed this a lot. Uh, and a, re a really good time would be around our resource base. Uh, I encourage any of your viewers to check some of our press releases. There's some really incredible incredible drill intercepts that are coming out and particularly that last press release that had our resource update uh, anyone can see with real confidence what it is we're building at Braylon and and building at, at Talisker as a company yeah that's great to hear well all the best for this year um, those that are listening hope you enjoyed that episode there was certainly a lot of uh, golden nuggets in there a lot of education for some of us non-technical technical people listening um, so I encourage you to share this episode, um, whether you're watching on the YouTube channel or whether you listen to this on the podcast. Um, appreciate your continued support sharing this uh, podcast and especially this episode as well uh, amongst friends, family, other colleagues, ex-colleagues in the industry. Um, so this uh, podcast gets to further, further afield across the world. So um, thank you very much, Terry. Appreciate everyone for listening. Until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.